All right, I'm going to begin reading in, in verse 1 of chapter 2. Not going to get too far. I, you know, I, I plan and pray and study and even write. And my notes for the first 16 verses will be put up on the internet tonight when Josh, when Josh uh, puts up the, uh, the MPF file. This PDF file will be up if you want. And I, I bring them every week thinking maybe I'll read some of them or use them, but I never get that far. So that, that's okay. I just want to be obedient to the Spirit of God. I'll tell you what I want to do. Three, three things anytime I get in the pulpit, and I've told you this recently, but I just need to repeat it tonight. Number one, I want to glorify God. Who we are, what we do here is all about our Lord and Savior Jesus. I mean, we're a Christ-centered church. And look, friend, make no apologies about that. I don't want to see him at RGT on the outside knocking to get in. Don't want that, man. Look, we'd be, we'd be in a mess with Tom Price as a pastor and no Jesus in the midst. Stay amen right there. So I, I, I want to glorify God. Number two, I want to rightly divide his book. I don't always get it right, but listen, I always want to. I'll never bring you anything to this pulpit where I'm trying to deceive you. Everybody heard me say that, say amen. I mean, to tell you, that's happening, that's happening far too often in the day and the hour. And I'm glad you are a Berean-type Christian. You, you read your Bibles, you study. That, that, that bodes well for us. And the third thing is, I want to edify you all. I, I, I want to feed you, just want to give you the best that I got. And I've got a bad habit of wanting to give everything I've got. That's why I get so fast sometimes and get in trouble. But anyway, I, I want to do my best. This is way over my head. I mean, I, you talk about me holding on to a plank here in the book of Romans, thanks to Judy Keller. Uh, uh, but I've enjoyed it, and I'm still learning. I'm still growing. And some of this tonight, if you've been studying through this, you might think, wow, where'd you get that? I'm just, I'm just going to teach it as I know the Lord has given it to me. So that's the best that I can do. But I'm going to begin in verse 1, read down through at least verse 6, where we'll pick up two of the principles of salvation. And remember, the title of our little lesson is Rest Assured Judgments for Everyone. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, that's what Paul is saying in this chapter. And matter of fact, in these first three chapters, I'll just review really quickly. In the first three chapters of Romans, God brings all of humanity, whether it be the heathen, the hypocrite, or the Hebrew, into his courtroom. And the judgment we find in verse 23 of chapter 3, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's just that simple. Look, friend, and Paul, as you remember maybe last week in chapter 2, it gets pretty heavy in chapter 2 because he deals with self-righteous uh, people who look down their nose on other people with condemnation, and uh, that's a dangerous that's a dangerous thing. We're dealing with judgment in this chapter, and it's not all bad. It's not all bad, but I'll tell you what is bad, friend, is when our attitude goes sour about when we judge other people. How many of you remember last week? I told you he that the spiritual man judgeth all things. Y'all remember me quoting that verse? Well, somebody find it. It's in 1 Corinthians. See if you can find it, Mark, if you don't care. Uh, the, 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 the spiritual man, I believe it says, judges all things. We are to judge, but this chapter isn't about that kind of judgment like I was telling you. What Paul is trying to get across is when we judge other people, we can be totally wrong, listen now, if our attitude towards them is not right. 
when we judge. Y'all understand that? I'm going to expand on it just so that you will. Meaning that it'd be one thing for us somebody can criticize them and never be willing to give them the time of day to help them. But if we do look at someone in a judgmental way, we ought to be willing, friend, to get down with them, to pray with them, to do all that they would possibly allow us to to help them through or over or by or beyond what's going on with them. Remember, Galatians 6 says, Ye that are spiritual, restore such a one. Restore, set it right. So anyway, we'll look at some things. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, old man, whosoever thou art that judgeth. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. But we are sure, and here's the first principle of judgment, that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And what Paul was saying is, in contrast to man, that's not always true. You remember I made the statement last week, I remember it clearly, that one of the reasons that I don't like to watch a lot of news outlets is when something happens before the police gather all the facts, everybody on a panel sitting around a table, getting paid an exorbitant amount of money that has little sense and they open their mouth many times and prove it, they already have got somebody condemned. Now that's not the way to do it. and that's, that's what this is warning us about in a lot of ways. But believe me, when we stand before God Almighty in judgment and we're all going there, sinner, saint, Jew, Gentile, uh, Greek, barbarian, wise, unwise, we're all going to stand before him in judgment. And that judgment will be according to the truth. And if y'all wondering what that is, here it is. And I'll show that to you when we get there. He said against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, old man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same things, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? I can hear God saying through the Holy Spirit, oh, no, that ain't going to happen. He said, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and the forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Everybody want to say hallelujah on that one? He said, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasureth up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. That verse is scary, by the way. Here's another principle, who will render to every man according to his deeds. So judgment's going to be according to the truth of God and according to the deeds we do in the body, whether, to quote 2 Corinthians 5, maybe 10 or 11, whether they be good or whether they be bad. Okay? And that doesn't mean whether you're saved or unsaved. It means for both. And we'll see that in just a little bit, the good Lord willing. Now, as we start this, this uh, uh, lesson tonight, I really believe that Paul is addressing the Gentile first. If, if, if you'll look with me at two verses, it's uh, verses 9 and 10. Look at the last part of verse 9. And Paul says to the Jew first and also the Gentile, Look in verse 10, he said, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. I believe Paul has given us the order of who he's speaking to in this chapter first. He's including everybody. Everybody heard me say that? Say amen. But he is giving an emphasis here 
to the Jew first. Why do you think that he is? Tell me something about the Jew. Now, before you answer, I want you to think about the Jews. I want you to think about their ideologies of being exalted because they were the chosen of God. And they were. And, and God blessed them with many things that the Gentile didn't have. But in giving what God gave to the Jew, he expected the Jews to share it with the Gentile. God never left the Gentile out of his plans. Everybody heard me say that? Say amen. Every plan God had included the Gentile. Every plan. He didn't disclude them. He included them. He had a plan and a place for them. But when we come into this chapter, we have God addressing the Jew. Can anybody remember or think or guess as to why, what the, maybe the attitude of the Jews might have been? Maybe this is probably, I think, why God was, you know, kind of uh, drawing the reins on the horses and cracking the whip, so to speak. They kind of looked down on everybody else that wasn't Jew. I, I'm, I'm not sure. They were held to a higher standard because they... Well, there will be a difference in this chapter. We'll, we'll see that, that they had the law, so they, they, they have a standard that the Gentiles for a long time didn't have. But the Gentiles, if they did what was contained in the law, not having the law, it became a law to them. Y'all did get that, didn't you? Right? But, I mean, that's the way it was. There's always standard, and it's according to light. That's what I'm going to learn, learn in here. So their privilege made their judgment more severe because they received more light than Gentiles did. All right? So you're on, you're on the right track. And Mike, say yours again. Say it loud enough for everybody else in here. That's, what, that's exactly what he's saying. They, they did look, what did they call the Gentiles? Dogs. They, they, look, they looked down and they looked, they, they had a lot of privilege. Let, let's name some of the privilege that they had. Let's start at the beginning. God chose them. God chose them. Well, Abraham was the father of the Jews, though he was a Gentile himself. Isn't that amazing? I think that is hilarious, actually. But they were chosen of God. Let me ask you the second question, and I know some of you may get it wrong. Why did God choose them? They were small, but that wasn't why. They were small, but that wasn't why God chose them. He did choose them for that purpose, to show that there was the one true God. That's why he chose Abraham. He did. Kings and priests, didn't he, Greg? But you know why he chose them? He chose them because he loved them. Oh, I mean, listen, folks, y'all back there like, that's a real deal, do you hear me? Oh, yeah, he loved him, but just like Jacob and Esau, he loved Jacob more than he did Esau. You see, this now, I'm going to step off in, in, in a little bit of deep water. We're not going to go very far, and I'm not afraid to get in it as far as that goes because I understand a degree of election and free will. But God is sovereign. How many, how many would agree with that? Say amen. He can do what he wants, whether we like it or not, to whomever he chooses to do it with. Do you all know that he's right and righteous in all that he's done? True and righteous altogether, in fact. That's what God is. Never does anything wrong. Never does anything sinful. Never does anything unrighteous. 
But I grew up hearing all my life what you said. He chose the Jews because they were the smallest nation. They were small people, but he chose them because he loved them. And believe me, when you look at them, they didn't have much in them to love. Now, wait just a minute. Hold on. Don't get too big in your britches. We're not much to love either. Amen. Sharon? You have to ask God. I can't tell you. He doesn't tell us. I mean, he saw something in them that he didn't see in anything else, sis, and I don't know exactly what that was. It, I, don't, I don't now. It, well, Abraham was, but that doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about. It's, he didn't do that until after God chose him, by the way, Keith. Now, if somebody do what? Who? Yeah, I didn't say anything about Jesus. He was a Jew. You're right. They're having a Bible study over there. We'll go back. Well, be the mother and the stepfather. Yeah, exactly. God, yeah, God's made choices all through. He's even, listen, folks, he's even chosen Gentile kings to do things. He raised up Pharaoh. There's a guy by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, there's a guy by the name of, of, um, of Artaxerxes. Took me forever to learn how to say his name. There was a guy by the name of Alexander the Great. There was a guy by the name of, of Caesar and Nero and all those. God raised them up. Okay, God chose them. Look, but when it came to his sovereign will for a purpose that he had for them, he said, I want you all. Now, why? Honestly, I don't know. But let me tell you something that I do know about God's people. Hold on a second. I'll get back to you. Let me tell you what I do know about God's people. God could have never chosen another people that would love and honor and protect his word like the nation of Israel. Y'all amaze me sometimes when I say things that are really good. Let me tell you that again. Give you another trial. God knew he would never find another people who would love and honor and preserve his word like the nation of Israel. We owe them such a debt for this book, friend, that it's not funny. Do you hear me? Man, they love the Word of God. I've not forgot you, Dutch. Just hold on. God privileged them by giving them the covenants, giving them the law. The law, we refer to it as generally the law of Moses, what they got at Sinai. But the law contains three different laws. It contains the moral law, which is the Ten Commandments. It contains the ceremonial law, which has to do with how a man can approach a holy God, a sinful man can approach a holy God, and it gives the civil law upon which our laws in America and any other civilized country has their laws taken from that. So we owe them a lot. Not only that, it was through the nation of Israel that the Y'all got to get ready to rejoice on this. That the Son of God, who is the Savior of the world, came in uh, to seek and to save that which is lost. We owe them. We owe them much. And that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg. Doug, what? Yeah. Yeah, purposely. He told, well, look, let me, let me help you. Hold on. Just hold on. Genesis 12, 1, 2, and 3 he told Abraham, if you'll just obey me and I'm going to bless you, and here's how I'm going to bless you the greatest, you're going to be the cause for all the families of the earth to be blessed, meaning 
through you, the loins of your body, through your seed, not seeds, plural, the Messiah will come. Well, to a part of that, I'll agree with you, Sharon. I understand how I love Debbie. I don't understand God's love like he does. Well, see, that's, that's one of the mysteries of love. Love allows people to see things in someone else or something else that no one else can. And we got a little insight, too, of his love. The Bible gives us a little bit of insight to what his love is. But you're right, we're going to learn more after we get there. But God, look, when God sees us, he not only sees us as we are, that's how we do. When I see somebody, I generally see them how they are. Because I'm limited, I'm human. Uh, I mean, that, that's in kind of the way we are. But Jesus not only sees us how we are. Let me illustrate it this way. Y'all remember the demoniac at Gadara? Do you know what everybody in that town and in that region called him? The demoniac. You know what? If you read that story, Jesus saw the man. Now, he doesn't see us just for what we are. He sees what we can become through him. I mean, God knew Abraham better than Abraham knew himself. That's why he called him. God knew the Jews, knew the qualities that they have. I mean, he knew that even after, uh, even after World War II, the concentration camps and all that they suffered when Hitler was trying to destroy them, that many of them would become atheists. He, he knew that. But he saw something in him yet that he made him them his chosen, his elect. And look, friend, we hey, we ought to as an as an individual, as a church, as a nation, stay as close to Israel as we can. I'm telling you. We bless them, God blesses us. We curse them, God curse. Now, don't tell me that's an Old Testament principle that doesn't work. Bless God, it's still in place. And he has proved it throughout the millennium of the days past, and he'll still continue to prove it. I don't even have any idea how we got here, but go ahead. Thank you. That's where I was wondering where we were. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, because God loved us and chose us and gave us all these things. And God in this chapter is tearing them down limb by limb lovingly. Everybody heard me say lovingly, say amen. Absolutely. Exactly. For that's why, I, that's why I started tonight with the attitude idea. It's one thing to see people in the shape and the reality is they are. And it's another thing how we deal with that. If we just downgrade them, look down on them, don't have the time of day for them, we're totally wrong. We're, we're in this chapter here. God's speaking to us too. But if we see it and are willing to do whatever to change their situation, position, and condition, then we're not on shaky ground. Look, let's go across the page in my Bible, and let me read a few to you in verse 17. Now, I, I've never read any commentary, and I've not read them all, that, that has done what I'm going to do tonight. But as I've read this and looked at this, in many ways, I can see verse 17 down to the end of the chapter 
the next to the last two verses stop, is almost like a commentary on what was written in the first 16 verses. If you agree, good. If you disagree, that's okay. I can be wrong. This is, this is a new idea to me, and I'm still working on it, but it makes sense to me enough to present it to you. So behold, thou art called a Jew, verse 17, and rest us in the law, and make us thy what? Boast of God. This is what we've been talking about, just what Brother Philip was illustrating. And knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. They had great privilege here. Let me tell y'all something. When they got to Mount Sinai, they saw the presence of God on that mountain and heard, listen, friend, God roaring or speaking from that mountain. Not everybody had that privilege. They had God in the midst of their camp in the day with a cloud and at night with a pillar of fire. Not everybody had that privilege. They had a man by the name of Moses that smote a rock and they drank water out of it. They ate angels' food for 39 years. Isn't that amazing? You talk about privilege, man. They had privilege. And instead of doing, just like Philip said again, what God blesses us with the intents of doing, humbling us and causing us to rejoice and making us what we ought to be as ambassadors for Christ, it made them get to where they boasted. Look what I've got and you don't. Look what I've got and you don't. Like Steve was saying a while ago, hold on a second. Steve was saying a while ago, God chose Abraham and his people so that the world might come back to the one true God. That's one of the greatest callings that God gave to the children of Israel was to be, like Greg says, the kings and priests, to be the representatives of the one true God. Somebody had something to say? Well, he tells us in this where I'm reading that the name of God was blasphemed among the Gentiles by them meaning that they failed to be what God intended them to be. Hey, let's don't get on our high horse. The church hadn't done real good either. Okay, I see what you're saying. He could have done it without out of respect. That might be part of it, but I believe the only reason he did it was because they were guilty first in a way that they needed to be addressed first. I like what you're saying, don't, don't, but, but I believe that they were heading the list, and part of it is because of that privilege they had. To whom much is given, 100%, my friend, 100%, well stated, yeah. It does, Steve, it does. You see, this chapter, Lord, it's so full, and I'm trying to figure out a way, honestly, to teach it. This is good tonight. I'm, I'm just eating this up. But, but um, what was I going to say? Tell me that last statement you made. Exactly. And and he's doing it very, very clearly. And we don't either. Look, this chapter is about privilege. And judgment is connected to privilege. The greater the light, the greater the privilege, the greater the judgment. The greater the responsibility. 
Our judgment in America, don't you think, is going to be greater than most nations in the world? Why? With the gospel. Look, we, we've got more churches, got more radio ministries, TV ministries. We, we, we've sent out more missionaries throughout the world than any nation. And I'm going to tell you, one of the reasons I believe we've not tanked so far is the bottom reason I just gave you. We're still sending money to send the gospel out to the world. Yes, sir, brother. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Do y'all know that there's good evidence to believe that Christopher Columbus was a Jew? I did some research on that. Do y'all know why? Do y'all know why I believe God allowed him to find America? To give the nation of Israel, the Jews, a place to go at that time. They'd been run out of every other place in the world. Now, where's the two largest uh, numbers of Jewish population in our world today? New York and Israel. And if I remember correctly, now is the first time there's more in Israel than there, was, there is in New York. Hey, you don't know what that tells. See, I'm about to jump his pulpit. That the Lord is coming soon. No doubt. Now, um, Gail asked a question to take me off on another tangent. Is that not prophecy? If you read the book of Ezekiel chapter 37, you will find the valley of dry bone prophecy. And it's a prophecy of Israel being brought back to life after being buried among the nations, the bones, the dry bones, dead bones, no flesh, no life in them, no nothing. It, it's a picture of them having been scattered in the diaspora in all the world that started in 70 A.D. And if you look at that chapter, it is progressive. It's not flash all at once, but it is progressive, piece by piece by piece. The regathering of Israel, the Jews back to the nation, is not the fulfilling of that, but it is definitely the beginning of the fulfilling of that. The skin is upon them. They're up walking around. The Spirit of God is absent yet, but it'll, it'll, it'll get there when the, time, when the time is right. Let me read a couple more over here in verses 19 and following. And, art thou, and, and thou art confident that thou thyself are a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness. You, do you remember what the, the, the group in the, in the synagogue or the Temple Mount said in that, uh, when that guy was blind? Oh, I wish I'd get that all together in John chapter 9. You know, said you, you were all together born in sin. What, now what was that? Was that the statement? Somebody help me. Man, I can't get that together. Oh, Holy Spirit, do what? Huh? Yeah, they asked, but the Pharisees made some statement about him. You remember when he was telling them that, that Jesus is the Christ? Do you remember? Well, they did. They, they asked that, but it seems like when, when he was dressing down the Pharisees that asked about who Jesus was, they kind of dressed him down. I may be getting two things together. But they had a very elitist spirit about them. And especially when you get to the Pharisees, Sadducees, the scribes, and, 
and uh, the elders. Wish I could bring that out of my memory. I can't. Yes. Well, part of it really is because they thought they knew more than what they knew. They, they expected Messiah to come it's throughout the Word of God, prophecy everywhere, but he didn't come the way they expected him to. So their, their knowledge got in the way of the truth of God. And, uh, oh yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. When you, when you read, go home and read the book of Zechariah, and that will give you some insight, honestly. It's 13 chapters, I think, maybe, but it's got some good stuff in it. They're definitely looking for it. Yeah, they, yeah, they, their, their disobedience was, um, God judged them and given them judicial blindness. He, he certainly did, without a doubt. But their rejection of him is, you know, was a choice of their own. And uh, y'all go on down and read in verses 17 and following down to the next to the last two verses in that chapter and see if y'all see those mess. See if it's almost not like a commentary to the first 16 verses. And, and we're getting the essence of this, and I think that's how we'll pick it up next week. I'll deal more probably with the four principles of judgment than all of the verse-by-verse -verse commentary. If you want that, again, pull the PDF file down, see what you think, let me know about uh, if I've got my verbs and nouns agreeing in, in that. Give it to us, Mark. Thank you, brother. Thank you, thank you.